And Lord, I do ask that by the power of your Spirit, by you moving in the hearts of those that are here, Lord, that you would draw us to yourself, help us have a bigger vision of who you are, that you would glorify yourself in all things. Lord, I know that right now, within the sound of my voice, there are those who are here, who are suffering in ways they never thought they would be able to stand. Father, there are marriages here who are broken. There are bodies that are failing. There are children that are straying. There are finances that are strained. There are relationships that have been torn. There have been expectations that have been dashed on the rocks of reality. And Lord, wherever we find ourselves, oh God, whether we find ourselves at the greatest point of our lives, experiencing the greatest successes and the greatest joys with the greatest hope still on the horizon, or whether we are experiencing the dark night of the soul, I pray that you would give us a focus and attention as we speak here. I pray that you would be lifted high, that Jesus would be famed, and that all glory and all honor that already belongs to you would come to you from our hearts. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Suffering. It's something that all of us go through. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black or white. In any kind of category, you and I will suffer. Today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about suffering. We're going to talk about the biblical perspective uh, in suffering. And I want you to tune in. The first time I sort of uh, got acquainted with pain or suffering that I can remember was when I was about four or five years old. Uh, my family had gone uh, to my aunt's house who lived in the projects. And uh, they were, you know, I say that because in Brooklyn where we lived, it was all railroad apartments, so there wasn't individual rooms. But in this place, there was like, you know, everybody had an individual room. And so my parents said, Edwin, go inside the room. There's a truck there. I still remember. I was about four or five years old. Go inside. There's a truck there. But you've got to find it. But you've got to find it. And so I went in the room, and I looked around, and I looked, 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 and I couldn't find it. And I finally gave up. So then I... I came back out to tell them, you guys are going to have to tell me where this truck is because I can't find it. And they were gone. And they didn't return. They didn't return that day. They didn't return that week. They didn't return that year. They just didn't return. And so I was left with an aunt that I barely knew in a circumstance that I didn't understand Now, I'm a little bit older now, and I've been able to ask the questions, so I understand. But let me tell you some of the ideas and the thoughts that came into my head. This was the first time. Now, I wouldn't have called it suffering at the time. I wouldn't have called it abandonment. I wouldn't have called it anything like that. I would have just been confused by it all. I started to wonder, and I I had to come up with answers to the questions that were popping up in my head. Do you understand what I'm saying? That when you and I suffer, there are questions that pop up in our minds, in our heads, that we have to answer. 
Why, why, why did mommy and poppy go? Where's Junior, my brother? Where's Madeline, my sister? And the answers that I kept on coming up with was that I was fractured, I was broken, I was not worth keeping. And so, it, in very real way, that moment or that time, that season of my life, defined the rest of my life. But I think as a four or a five-year-old, I think we ask the same questions that we do when we're 35 and 45. When we suffer, you and I, when we suffer, we generally tend to ask two questions. Now, we tend to ask two questions if we're Christians or theists, I should say, if you believe in God. By the way, this message today, I'm speaking to Christians. I want to give you a worldview, a thought view, a understanding of suffering within the biblical context. I want you to be able to see suffering in a bigger, deeper way than the way you see suffering now. But there are two questions. Whether you're like me at four or five years old, or you're 55 and you've had a tragedy happen, there's two questions that we ask. The first one is, why? God, why? That's the first question that we ask. The next question that we ask is, God, where are you? These are two questions that it's, they're almost, they come from a very visceral reaction. They're in our souls. They're in our guts. They just come from us. God, why? Where are you? Now, what I try to answer at the age of four and five is what you might try to answer at the age of 65, but, but they come from the same place and they need deep answers. So today we're going to speak about suffering. And if you don't listen in, if you start thinking about the things that you have to do tomorrow, the budget that you still haven't made for the week, the clothes that you have to wear, what the children have to do, if you tune out right now, you're going to miss the opportunity of being able to see in your suffering, in your moment of suffering and pain, you're going to be able to see, you're going to miss being able to see the hand of God in it all. So I want you to pay attention today. I want you to listen up. I want you to lean in and soak in what the Scriptures are about to speak because I am not the only one who's gone through suffering that they can't answer. It's, it's when the parent is sitting by the bed of the sick child that will not get up from that bed. We go, why, God? Why? Where are you, God? It's the spouse who hears, who hears those dreadful words. I'm leaving. Why? Where? It's, it's the child that finds out that their parents are getting a divorce. Why? Where? Where? 
It's the loved one who passes away in an instant. Just leave your house, finish talking to them on the phone, and then you find out that a great tragedy has happened. Why? Where? These questions are deep within our soul. And the Holy Spirit, because we're in a series on the Holy Spirit, will want to answer us today. But no one, none of us here, if you're old enough to understand what I'm saying, none of us are unscathed by these questions. None of us are. Why? Where? Now, as we speak about suffering today, there's two types of sufferings that we're absolutely not going to talk about. I want to be upfront with you about it. We're not going to talk about the kind of suffering that you volunteer for. We're just not addressing that. We're not dealing with that. We're not, you know, um, you, know uh, you have problems with breathing. At 11 years old, mom said, don't smoke. And you have problems with breathing now because you thought you were smarter than mom. And now, you know, you have physical issues and all that other stuff. Listen to me. We're not addressing that kind of suffering. That, that's easy to answer. You go outside your relationship, your spouse says, I can't take this anymore. I got to, okay, we're not going to address that. We're just not going to talk about that kind of suffering. That kind of suffering is very easy. It would be a short sermon. Okay? Do God's Word. There you go. You can end that suffering in a minute. There you go. Go home. So we're not going to talk about that kind of suffering. We're not going to talk about not taking care of your body, not investing in your wife, not, uh, uh, you know, we're not... We're not going to talk about the kind of suffering that you and I volunteer for and are the very cause of. Amen. It's not the kind of suffering we're going to talk about. There's a second kind of suffering that we're just not going to address. And that's the kind of suffering that you volunteer for, but the kind of suffering that you volunteer for with a purpose. Okay, let me give you a kind of example of that. I volunteer for suffering every week. I run, Right? And so when you run for a period of time, right, we have some people here who exercise, and you volunteer for that suffering, right? And so whether you're working out in your uh, gym, or you have a class, and, you know, you're working out there, or you're running, when you're sweating, when you're tired, when you're, you know, uh, uh, and you just... And you just, you're breathing hard, and you're going through that kind of pain, you go, well... Summer's just around the corner. See, there's a goal. There's a goal, right? So the goal is, I'm going to say no to the second portion of the meal. I'm, you know, and I'm going to stay a little bit hungry, right? I'm going to say no to dessert. I'm not going to satisfy that desire. I'm going to say no to just sort of being slothful. I'm going to actually work out and, you know, I'm going to say no to those things. And I'm going to suffer, but it's okay. Because there's a payoff, right? There's the summer, right? Or if you're young, you're going, right? You have college classes or high school classes. You're in finals now, right? Or maybe you just went through your finals or something like that. But, you know, but there's a kind of cramming and studying and learning and getting into that, that you kind of volunteer for. You say, well, you know what? I'm going to go through this because it'll be better off in the end. 
right? Or if you're at your job, you have to put in more hours, you have to work a little bit harder because you want to get ahead, you want the promotion. Those are the kinds of suffering that we put ourselves through that have a payoff. The other kinds of sufferings are the ones that we volunteer for, but we're the cause of. We are not going to talk about those kinds of sufferings. The kind of sufferings that we're going to talk about today are the kind of sufferings that pierce our soul, make us doubt whether God exists at all. And if he does in fact exist, does he care? Does he care about you and me? Does he care about the pain that we're going through? The kind of suffering that makes us ask the question, why and where? The problem is not, now listen to me, the problem isn't that we ask those questions, why and where. God can handle those questions. The problem is where we look to for the answers. You see, when I ask for why, why God is this happening, where, I tend to look at the circumstance. I tend to look at the issue of my life. So in the example that I gave you about being abandoned at four or five years old, told there's a truck in the car, I mean truck in the room, and then not being able to find it and family doesn't come back for a long, long, long time. The only place that I knew to look at was my immediate surroundings, my circumstances. Listen to me, listen to me, if you get nothing else. If you get nothing else, if you don't love God, if you have no desire for Jesus, if you're an atheist and you have every intention, what I'm about to say right now is very, very beneficial to you. If you're looking for the answers of why and where is God and you're looking to your circumstance, if you're looking to the moment in time of suffering. Listen to me. This is important. The answers are not there. The answers that you're looking for are not in this... Listen to me. Listen to me. This is big. If you're looking for the answers... If you were four or five or ten years old and that uncle walked in the room or your dad or that friend of the family that you had so much trust with that they put you to babysit, that put, they put them to babysit for you, and, and you're looking for the answers in that moment. Why, God, why? And you're looking in that moment. Listen to me. The answers are not there. Not. If you're, if you're looking, and you're wondering why you took the blows and the beatings and the blood came down, and no one was there to 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 protect you, and 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 you went through this as a childhood, and you're going, why God, why? And you look to the moment. You look to the season of life. You look to the circumstances. You look at your mom. You look at the rapist. You look at the pain and the suffering. You look at the poverty. You look at the circumstances of life. You will not find the answers there. And that's where the frustration will come in. If you look in the microscope of life, in the little season of life, and you go, God, give me the answers. I need the answers. 
you look to the amoebas of life and the atoms of life, the instances and the moments, you will not find the answers that the Bible has for you. So what God wants to do is He wants to broaden our view. He wants to broaden our perspective. He wants to broaden. And He says, you'll never find it, the answers in the microscope. But I want you to look to the telescope. I want you to find your answers in bigger things. I want you that when you look, you don't look to them or him or her, but you look to me, God would say. That as we look to him, we would say, I lift my eyes to the hills, for where cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. That if we look to the pain of our broken marriage, in our marriage, if we look to the suffering of our childhood, if we look to the negligence of that adoptive family, we won't find them there. God says, you'll find them looking to Him. So God's Word knows that you and I struggle. And so here's what I want you to know. Today, what God wants to teach us is going to be bound up in three phrases. And I want you to kind of grab them, hold on to them, because you need them. Now, come in. Some of you are having the time of your lives. Some of you have no idea what suffering is coming. You're just having a good time. You're in a good season of life. The job is going famously. The marriage is doing wonderfully. The, the expectations and the hopes that you're trying to achieve, the goals that you have, you're coming up to. You're getting there. You're in a great season of life. I praise God for you. I thank God for your good moments. I thank God for the seasons of life that God just invigorates and encourages us. But what I want you to do is I want you to take the lessons that I'm going to teach you here and I just want you to put them in your pocket. Okay? I want you to just kind of take them because you're going to need them. And for those of you who are actually in suffering, who are going through a great deal of pain, listen to me. I want you to listen closely because God wants to speak to you today. Now, the three, um, actually, before, we go, before I tell you the three phrases, can I tell you that the answer that God's, I'm going to tell you two things about the answer that I'm going to give you. Number one, let me say the obvious. The answers I'm going to give you are not going to take the pain away. Can I just be frank with you? When we ask God why, no matter what answer he gives us, 
It just simply won't take the pain away. If you're on a baseball field, if you're, if you're, give you, here's an example. If, if your daughter is playing on a schoolyard and there's a baseball field uh, some ways down and they pitch, guy hits the ball and that ball comes straight for her head and hits it to the degree where she dies. And I came to you and I explained, well, the reason that your daughter died is because her cranium could only hold so much pressure and the velocity of the ball, the speed at which the ball hit her head and the place at which it hit her head killed her instantly. It would kill anybody instantly because if you hit at that speed with that kind of object at that velocity, you're going to have the... Aren't you glad for the answer? See, the answer doesn't take the pain away. So let me just be upfront with you. The answer that I give you from God's word is not going to take away the pain. Number two. The answer that I give you is not going to be emotionally satisfying. Do you know what I mean when I say emotionally satisfying? Right? It's not, you're not going to go, oh, that's great. Now that I know that, that's great. That's, oh, all right, okay, no problem. Okay, that's great, no problem now. It's not going to be emotionally satisfying. Tears will still roll. Your emotions will still... But listen to me, listen to me. What it will do, what it will do, is give you a perspective and ability to get through even the darkest of nights of the soul. So here are the three phrases that I want to give you. Back then, and actually you have a sermon map. We call our sermon map. It's in your bulletin. It's kind of the scriptures and all that. We just, we give you that. Back then, right now, in the end. Back then, right now, in the end. Listen to me, you're going to need this. Back then, right now, in the end. That's the phrase that I want you to stick with. That's the phrase that I want you to, phrase that I want you to learn. I'm going to unpack it. You go, but I don't understand. Great, that's why we're here. I'm going to help you understand that. But I want you to know that there's a bigger picture there's a bigger picture than looking at the circumstances of your life. There's a bigger picture. You're not going to find the answers in the moment of suffering. You can only find the answers in God's global work. And it's found back then, right now, in the end. So today, we're going to look at some scriptures that are going to put suffering within a particular context. I hope you're ready to hear what God would have to speak to. Are you ready for that? Are you, are you ready? So what we're going to do is, what we do here is in reverence and honor to the God who gave us his word, when his word is opened up and we actually read it, we stand. So would you stand with me as we read God's word? I'm going to read a lot of verses. Um, I want you to stay focused. This is some of the most complex text 
that you'll ever come to in God's Word. If you don't have your Bible with you in your bulletin on your sermon app, that's where you found it. If that font is too small, you're over 50 cool beans, we got your, um, we got your uh, scriptures right here. Okay? So I'm just going to read. I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay, brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with with the will of God. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. Now, I know you read that and you go, huh? I know. I've been on this text in all sincerity. Romans 8, I've been memorizing for the last two years. I just come back to it. I come back to it. I come back to it. And I've been studying this particular aspect of Romans 8 this week. It's a complex text. But I want you to listen how God will address our suffering. Not by looking. God won't be looking at the details of your life. He'll be looking at the big picture. So, back then, right now, In the end. That's how God wants to help us to understand the biblical scope of it. Back then, right now, in the end. Say that with me. Back then, right now, in the end. Now, let's look at it a little bit of right now. I consider that our present, verse 18... I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Listen, if you're in Christ, the first thing that you have to do, the very first place we start, the very first place that God wants us to start is with His glory. That right now, no matter what pain you're suffering, no matter what tear, and listen to me. I understand, listen. Sometimes the wounds are deep. Sometimes the pain lasts long. Sometimes the, the, the suffering is unbelievable. 
But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's nothing in comparison to the glory that we will see when we see Jesus face to face. Do you know how I know? Because I'm a Christian. And I have some suffering of my own that I created. And then God miraculously saved me. And that doesn't even compare to the joy that I have in Christ right now. See, God wants us not to be focused on the instant. He goes, listen, 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 listen. In the end, you win. And if it, looks like you're u- if it looks like you're losing at any point in time, it's because you're not at the end. In the end, you win. But right now, I want you to have this kind of mindset. I want you to think this through. I want you to adopt this in your soul. Right now, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will re- be revealed. To us. In us. Around us. That's where we begin. When suffering comes in, go, God, I don't know how this will end. I don't know if I'll die from this disease. I don't know if I'll die separate. I don't know if this kid will not get from off from this bed. I don't know if my leg will have to be amputated. I don't know if the cancer will spread. I don't know! But I know even through the pain, even through the tears, listen to me. I know, yo sé, I know nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed. And that's where the Christian starts. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't love Jesus, I just, I want you to, I want you to know that the explanation that I'm giving is for Christians. And I don't, and I say this, I'm not trying to do anything other than be very, very sensitive right now. Listen to me. I don't even know how to speak intelligently to your suffering. If Jesus is not King, Lord, if he's not in total control, if your theology says, well, God is in control of some stuff, but the bad stuff that happens, God's not really in control of that. If that's your theology, if that's how you believe in God, I don't even know how to speak intelligently to your suffering. Do the best you can. But when we are in Christ, the place that God wants to start is his glory. Verse 19. For, stop. For. Whenever you see therefore or for, that's a clue that there's going to be an explanation of something you just heard. That's a biblical, that's like a Bible study uh, trick, right? Whenever you see for, look out for the fours. Look out for therefore. In fact, when you see for and when you see therefore, you ask, what's the therefore? Therefore. Right? Because he just said something that some of you are like, nah, you don't know my pain. 
You know, yeah, all right, you know what? I just checked out. You said, yeah, at the end, oh yeah, pie in the sky, by and by. You know what? The, the pain and the suffering that I'm going through, you're telling me that this kid not getting up from this bed, you're telling me that my, my spouse's body being ravaged by that disease, you're telling me that the suffering that I went through, you're telling me that it's going to be nothing? Are you trying to trivialize my suffering? Four. And I'm not. I'm not trying to trivialize your suffering. It's just something bigger than your suffering. Your problem is, is that you're too focused on this suffering, this pain, this season of life. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I, I love you. I'm your pastor. I love you. I want good for you. You'll never grow. You'll never move on. If that's your point of reference, you just won't. Four. Listen to me. The reason that what we go through now will be considered nothing in comparison. Not that it won't be considered anything or nothing, but it will be considered nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed in us. The only way I can understand this, of course, is my own Christian uh, life. But I also, I was, um, uh, we went to a beach when, as a kid. Did you ever have an experience like this? And I got lost. I didn't get, like, lost like they found me three minutes later. I got lost like three, four hours lost at a beach. I thought, and, you know, how, how long is three or four hours to a five-year-old, right? It's like ten years, right? And so I got lost. And by God's grace, a very sweet policeman found me you know, crying, and much worse things could have happened to me. But you know, when I found my mother, all the ache and the hurt and the tears that I shed were like nothing in comparison to the joy that I experienced when I found my mom. Listen to me. That's what Paul is saying. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Now, watch this. It was scary. It was terrible. It was awful. Just laughable. We could joke about it now. Because the joy that I experienced when I found my mother. Listen to me. That's what Jesus is saying here in his scriptures. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And at that point we just go, huh? What on earth does that mean? Well, Paul sort of zooms out and he says, he says, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. And he, he, sort of, he sort of intuitively knows that you don't understand what he's talking about. So he gives you another four. You see it in the next verse? Twenty. He goes, okay, you don't understand what I mean by that. Okay, four. <laughs> let me explain the four before that the four was trying to explain. Um, four, the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the one who subjected. Listen, let's look at that first part of that verse. For the creation was subjected to frustration. This is the back then. Remember. This is the back then. Remember how God is going to help us to understand? Back then. Right now. In the end. Back then, God created a perfect world. A world with a perfect man and a perfect woman. A world where there would be no disease, no tsunamis, no earthquakes, no suicides, no cancer. God created a world that had no child abuse, 
No sexual molestation. No cancer, no AIDS. No hurricanes. Back then, God created a perfect world. Listen to me. And then sin came into the world. Sin came into the world, and the world broke. The world fractured. The world got messed up. For the creation was subject subject to frustration or decay. The creation was put upon itself destruction and decay, frustration. The creation was supposed to be perfect. But then sin came into the world. Now, how, how did sin come into the world? Well, it's easy. We, we look at Genesis and we see uh, Adam and Eve and we see them suffering. You go, Pastor, you actually believe that there was a literal Adam and there was a literal Eve? Yeah, absolutely. The Bible says it and I totally believe it. Listen to me. You go, you seem like an intelligent guy. Yeah, well, listen to me. Just follow along for a little bit. And it will give you an explanation of why this world is so broken. Listen to me. The world is broken. And you don't need me to say that. All you need to do is look at the, look at the nightly news. You've got to be older than three years old. Just to find out that the world is not perfect. That the world, listen to me, that in this world, children die before parents. That in this world, earthquake takes lives of whole villages. That in this world, whole cities get devastated. Whole cities get devastated by tsunamis and hurricanes. Families' lives are changed by disease. The world is broken. And what happened, and, and you go, but see, Listen to me. That's why when you go, what was, the, was it something that I did? Is it because I'm cursed? Is it because I'm no good? And you look at the circumstances of life. God is going, no, 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 don't you understand? You were born. In, in, in some ways, it has nothing to do with you. In some ways, you were born into a broken world. It's not even your fault. Yeah, but if I would have made some decisions, and it would go, maybe, maybe, maybe. But listen to me. Listen to me. You're born into a broken world. Yeah, but if mom would have loved me, maybe, maybe, maybe. Listen, the world is broken. The world was subjected. The creation, you, me, plants, animals, fish, the sky, the earth, everything was subjected to frustration. Not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. That means, that means that God, God judged the world. And so the brokenness came from sin, but God judged the world. And you go, but wait up, wait up. When they sinned, I wasn't there. Why do I have to suffer for that? Listen to me, listen to me. I understand. But you and I, we have wounds and we suffer over stuff plenty of stuff that we have nothing to do. Listen to me. Isn't it true that some of us who grew, grew up with only one parent tucking us in at night and it, you, you had nothing to do with that. You suffered the pain. You suffered the loss. You got the wound. 
But it had nothing to do with it. You suffer pain because of something somebody else did. Right? You, you're born into a family, and that family has a, a natural propensity uh, leaning towards diabetes or something like that. Well, that's not your fault. That's just the way you were born. And so we all experience this over and over. God is just adding one more thing to that category, and it's this. Back then, the world was judged because it defected from God. It ran from God. There was protection, joy, satisfaction, pleasure, fulfillment, and everything that you could possibly desire that's good, holy, and right in Christ. And the world said, thank you, but no thank you. And you were in the world. You were in the loins of Adam and Eve. But that's not fair. I know. But that's not right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Me too. But I don't like that. Look around. It's a broken world. I'm just trying to explain the brokenness of it all. For the creation was subjected to frustration, about, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Listen, in hope that the creation, in, listen to me, in hope, there's a future. There's a future to look forward to. In hope, in the end, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. There is something that we're looking forward to. That this is not going to be... Listen, back then, the whole world broke. Back then. So why is there suffering in the world? Because we live in a broken world. So why is there pain in the world? Because we live in a broken world. Why is, there, why is there tsunamis and hurricanes? Why, is my, why did my mom get cancer? Why did my husband leave me? Why did my kid die before me? Listen, listen, because you live in a, in a broken world. It's not even your fault. And I'm sorry, but we live in a broken world. And in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. That the creation itself, not only are we get, not only do we get to be born again, not only do we get to experience new life, not only do we get a new, but creation itself looks forward to that very thing happening. Grass looks forward to it. Seagulls look forward to it. Rats look forward to it. Birds, listen to me, mountains look forward to it. Wind looks for to the new earth where it gets redeemed and we don't have to live in the suffering that we do. We know, verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And, and that's our story, isn't it? That you and I, while, while we're in the Right now, which is what this verse is speaking about. Right now, the creation, and and, in another verse it's going to say, and you and I do too. In fact, I'll read it for you. Not only so, in other words, not only creation, verse 23, not only so, not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly 
as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Now, I want you to see this because this is a a very powerful thought. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time, verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Listen to me. You and I can know that it's going to happen because right now, if we've received Christ, listen to me, we have what's called a down payment. We have what's called... You know what that's called? You know what that down payment is called? It's called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us and it's like a down payment and says, listen to me, this is not all there is. In the end, you win and if you feel at any point, like, in, like at any point that you're losing, it's because you're not in the end. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. See, now, there, there's something that happens to the person that receives Christ um, as their Lord, as their Savior, as the boss of their body. The Holy Spirit, that's God. God comes to reside and live in you. And the Bible calls that the first fruits. And so, you go, but wait up, my body is still decaying, right? I mean, do I even have to convince you of that, right? Anybody here have to use anti-wrinkle cream, right? Anybody here dye the gray out of their hair? Do you know why? Because you're in bondage to decay, right? Your body, right? Does anybody, does anybody, listen, does anybody here have to like change their hairstyle because there's balding places that there used to not be. Listen, 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 listen. You know you're in bondage to decay. Trees are in bondage. Everything is in bondage to decay. Uh, So, but the Holy Spirit gives us these first fruits. Not only so, verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So here's what I want you to know. When you come to Christ, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit uh, comes to live inside you. It's like a down payment. He gives you the perseverance, the strength, the desire to pursue God. He gives you the perseverance to endure difficult times. The Holy Spirit, it's a gift from God. But here's the deal. Here's what you should know. Your, your bodies haven't been redeemed yet. That's coming in the future. It says so in this verse and it says so in other places. It says, the redemption of our body. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So while we have the down payment, our souls are saved, we're looking forward to heaven, we're guaranteed relationship with God and strength through the day, we look forward to that. Listen to me. Yeah, our bodies are still in decay. And that hasn't been redeemed yet. For in this hope, what hope? The hope that we just talked about in verse 23, that our bodies will be redeemed, right? That the stretch marks will go, that the, that the receding hairline will come back, right? That, you know, and quite, fr- you know, I, quite frankly, I don't even want this body back. <laughs> you know, I'd like Brad Pitt's body, quite frankly, right? I'd like something else other than the body that I have, right? We'll get a new body. 
For in this hope, the, the, the hope that we just talked about, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? In other words, while you're here, we hope for this, but we don't got this. You go, but I want this. I go, me too. But we don't got this. We don't got in the end. Back then, everything broke. Right now, we have hope. Hope that we're looking forward to that comes in the end. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is part of the puzzle for right now. Listen to me. We wait for it patiently. When pain and suffering come into our lives, you know what, what God wants to do? in our souls he wants us to long for heaven when you you do this don't you when 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 you suffer you go what could have been what should have been what i wish was what you know you go and god says no 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 you're looking at the microscope you're looking at the circumstances of life you're looking here you're not you're not going to find your answers there listen to me listen to me when you and i go through suffering you go listen so the money is not coming in and you have stress beyond belief. The beauty of God, the beauty of God is that God, there's going to be a day where I don't have this stress. When the person who you love, you love and you gave your heart to, when that person breaks it, you go, God, my home isn't here. My home is in heaven. When your body starts to deteriorate, you go, God, I can't wait for this new body. There's a wonderful, one, a wonderful woman. I wish you would all get her book. Um, her, um, it's actually the first book that she wrote. Her name is Johnny. She's a quadriplegic. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. Some of you have heard of her because she actually um, does some drawings and paintings that sell for a lot of money, quite frankly. Um, but she's a quadriplegic, meaning that she has no motor functions from her neck down. She wasn't born that way. She was having fun one day, and she dived off. Uh, it was like a, like a sort of a cliff dive or, a, or, or dived off uh, in a beach. She hit her head, broke her neck, and she was paralyzed from about eight, at 18 years old. Could you imagine the strength of your life sapped from you? The most what you might not know about Johnny Erickson Tata, other than her paintings sell for a great deal of money. What you might not know is that she loves Jesus with all her heart. And if you read her book, you find out the journey that she had to go through, because it wasn't easy for her to come to that conclusion. She was hoping for a miracle and the miracle that she was hoping for. The reason that I bring her up is because there's a drawing that I wish I would have thought about further to show you. But she does this drawing, and you go, how can she draw if she can't move her uh, neck? She, she puts the pencil in her mouth, and she draws with her mouth. And so she's fantastic. And she has... Um, a picture of heaven for her. And the picture is a white background, nothing but a white background, and a pencil-sketched wheelchair 
And on the little, there's a little itty bitty sign on the wheelchair. The wheelchair is empty and it has a tag and the tag says for sale, which is her picture of heaven. Listen to me. She wakes up with pain every morning and it makes her long for heaven. Because this is not the end. The suffering that you go, in the end, for sale. In the end, something to look forward to. In, in the end. But right now, we have hope. And we hurt now because back then, the world broke. Back then, the world broke. But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently since we are here. Okay, so we wait for it patiently. Verse 26. Now, look, 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 look. Look at me. Everyone look at me. Look at me. Look at me. We're going to look at verse 26 and 27. I've explained all of this to you so that I can get to 26 and 27. 26 and 27 is the help right now that you need right now. So you might have tuned out. You don't even remember the last statement. You, don't, you go, why, why did everybody, some people clap when he said that thing about, right? Yeah, because you tuned out. I know, right? Now listen to me. I want you to tune back in because this is the, this is the, the big deal. 27, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn you when you doubt, when you fear, when you're, when you're consumed with worry and concern. You know what He does? He helps you. You know why? Because you're weak. Because you're weak. The Holy Spirit does not see you in your weakness. He helps us in our weakness. You don't have to worry about God's condemnation or looking down on you. Then he goes on, verse 26. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Have you ever been in that moment where right now the pain is so great, you don't even know how to intelligently communicate your prayers to God? Like, God, okay, God, I want to pray for the healing of my child, but why should I even pray for that? Couldn't you have prevented him from being sick in the first place? Why should I have to pray for a healing that you could have prevented for? Because you, I just don't know how to pray. I just don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us. And we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Listen to me. This means the world to me. But the Spirit Himself intercedes. The Holy Spirit doesn't just live in you. The Holy Spirit translates your groans and your pain and your suffering to the Father. Isn't that good news? So like, so like, we go, God, I'm so mad. I just could, I just, I don't know what to do with this. I'm, I can't take my eyes off the microscope. I know I should look at the telescope, but I just don't have faith right now. I feel like it's going, and, and the Holy Spirit takes all of those words. Have you ever seen like a boxing match or, or a translation, you know, where the guy speaks in Spanish and then the boxing translator translated and you go, that's not what he said. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. 
He said, bleepity bleep, 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 bleepity bleep, and I shouldn't have lost, and that guy cheated, and you know, it was like, it was a fair, you know, and the translator says it was a fair fight, good fight, and it was like, that's not what he said. And so, listen to me. The Holy Spirit takes our words and, and goes to the Father and says, they need your comfort now. They need your help right now. They want you to, they, they want you to show up in a supernatural way. They want... They want when everything looks dark and everything is bleak and nothing is working right and everything is fail and every hope is lost. They would like some comfort right now. They'd like some comfort right now. The Holy Spirit translates. The Holy Spirit interprets. When you and I are in that fetal position, we're like, oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was, I was at my house, and I got the phone call. My mother's been sick most of her life, most of my life. And she deals with mental struggles. And she gets put in the fifth floor of Woodhall. It's not a fun floor. It's not a good place to be. It's like Rikers Island. she called me and told me that the police were coming to get her to put her in the in the ambulance to take her to the to the insane asylum psychiatric ward and I knew what that meant and I will not allow this do you understand what I mean have you ever been so determined I ran outside I don't think I had shoes on it was winter and had just snowed. I ran the two blocks, because that's how far I lived from her. And I got there, and I got to her bed. I got to her bed, and I said, they will not take you. And I started to talk to the police officer, and I tried to, and I tried to, you know, and he was just as, just, as insensitive as you could possibly imagine. That's not an indication of all police. I'm just saying that this one guy was just as insensitive as you can possibly imagine. Mean-spirited too. And I tried to talk to the other guy, and the other guy wouldn't hear me either. And then I talked to the home attendant who had called the police officer who I could have put through a wall. try to talk to her and she wasn't listening and then the ambulance came and I said I told my mother I said ma I said ma don't talk let me talk but she couldn't control herself she was just saying things that weren't making sense and I just and I just pictured in my head about the beatings that she would get at the psychiatric and I just couldn't and I just said Shut up. Just shut up. And I just tried to, and I tried to control the situation, and I tried to handle the circumstance, and it wasn't working well. And so the police officer said, she's got to go into the, uh, the thing. 
And I said, all right, I'll go with her. They said, we got to put cuffs on her. I said, no, you don't. They said, it's protocol. And so as they put the cuffs on her, I said, you will not be admitted today. I swear, you will not be admitted today. And they brought us into the room where they evaluate us. And as we were going, she was sort of, I said, Ma, just, just, just give me 10 minutes of quiet. You give me 10, you give me 10 minutes of quiet. You give me 10 minutes of quiet. I can take care of this. I can fix this. You just give me 10 minutes of quiet. Just 10 minutes of quiet. I promise. I promise I'll fix this. Just don't say anything. And I, and we got to the room where you go, where they evaluate you. I said, don't say anything. And the doctor came in, and I started my thing, and I started, and, and, you know, I've, I've been through this since I was five years old, so I know what to say. I know how to, you know, get around these things. This is, she's just upset right now. This is no big deal. I'm sure if you give her some calming medication, she'll be able to take that. I'll be able to take her home. I'm old enough. She, uh, I'll sign her out. I'll be, you know, I will take care of her. I'll look over. I'll be responsible for whatever her actions are. And, it just, and then she just went off. And I knew at that moment all was lost. I said, I'm sorry, Mr. Cologne, we ha- we, this is out of our hands. We have to admit her. And so there's this terrible door on the fifth floor of Woodhall, and it, it's got this sort of magnetic thing. It's, and then the door opens, it's that terrible sound. And I remember, I remember looking around, I mean literally looking around, beside myself as to what would I do. And I remember thinking that I was going to take the, you know, the metal chairs that they have in the thing and I was going to put it through the, um, the glass and tell them that I was going to kill myself and that I was losing my mind so that at least I could be in the, room, in the place with her. And something, the Lord just said no. And the Lord prevented me from doing that. Supernaturally, I can't even... And I... I... I, I she, they, they put her in that wheelchair and she sort of just like f- acted like she was fainted or asleep so that nobody would mess with her because she knew what was going to happen. Listen, she's my mother. She's my mother. And so I walked out of there and I just was so wounded. I did, listen, not emotionally satisfying. I knew that the world is broken. I knew that my mother's mental disease is a direct result of the fall. I knew that she, could have, she was born with something. And I wish I could have fixed it. And I knew that right now I couldn't change the circumstances that I wanted to so bad. And I couldn't even see the end in sight because the pain was so great. I'm talking about when you feel your heart's going to explode. And... Uh, just was in that moment and in the same way the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness we do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and at that moment I saw this African American tiny older woman she had those big glasses the kind of glasses that like if you know that you wear that are just as black as you can be and that they cover most of your face 
and I could see tears streaming down her face. She obviously had the glasses to... And it was as if, at that moment, at that moment, God spoke to my heart. It was like the Holy Spirit was translating my groans. You want to talk about... I didn't know what to pray for. I had nothing to say. And the Holy Spirit said, it's okay to cry, Evelyn. And I just cried all the way home. On that bus ride, all the way home, I cried. God said, Edwin, I'm with you. I'll be with her. Listen to me. When you suffer, when you and I suffer, back then, the world is broke. You were born into, it's not even your fault. The world is broken. Right now, the pain is great, but the pain is not all that there is. And I don't want you to focus on the microscope. God says, I want you to have a bigger picture. Because in the end, in the end, none of the pain that we go through right now could be compared to the glory that we'll experience when we see God. Back then, right now, in the end. Could you imagine, could you imagine if in your suffering you and I had this kind of perspective? Could you imagine what would happen if when you and I went through pain and we were completely overwhelmed, we would go, God, I want to. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow, as you go through pain, and I don't know if it's going to be tomorrow, if it's going to be through next month, if it's going to be, if you're in it right now. Here's what I want you to do. I want you that when you go through pain, you go, oh wait, I know why. Because the world is broken. And right now, the Holy Spirit is interceding for me. Right now, the Holy Spirit is with me. Right now, the Holy Spirit will comfort me. Right now, the Holy Spirit will help me. And in the end, God, I look forward to heaven more than ever. This is not my home. If you ever find yourself, listen to me, if you ever find yourself in a hotel, in a city, where all the restaurants are bad, and the hotel's bed is uncomfortable, and none of the channels are showing anything that you want to watch, if you find yourself in a city where the, the people are not like you're used to, and the, and the service that you get, is it, listen to me, don't worry. You can go home. Listen to me. You're not home. You're not home. Heaven's our home. Back then, the world broke, and right now, the Holy Spirit will be with you and pray with you, and we have a hope right now that in the end, God will get great glory. And we will be free. You know, the reason that in the end, this is possible. Because there was one more thing that happened back then. One more thing. God saw that this whole world was broken and it was irreparable. Listen to me. And God saw that you were in your sin. And back then, God came Himself. The Son, Jesus, came from heaven to earth and died on the cross for all the brokenness, pain, suffering, and sin that's found in this world. That happened back then. 
And right now, you and I can receive Him, rest in Him, rejoice in Him. Right now, Jesus commands us to have communion, to remind us that right now is not all there is. To remind us that right now is not everything that is. That right now is not the end. If you feel... Listen, in the end you win, and if you feel like you're not winning, it's because you're not in the end. Right now, we get to be reminded that God did not just sort of look on at us and say, all right, do the best you can. Right now, we get to celebrate communion and think about the greatness of a God who would see that a world was broken and come to restore it himself. So, if you look, this is the bread. This bread, now don't take it. Don't take it, just kind of hold on to it. This is the bread. Jesus said, this is my body that was broken for you. Listen to me. It's because back then he saw that there was sin in the world and needed to be redeemed and you and I needed a savior. Back then, the world is broken. So he allowed his body to be broken for you. Now, we're going to take this bread and this cup represents his blood. But what I want you to do is for the next just two minutes. I want you to just take a small time and pray, but not praying alone. I want you to pray with the person next to you. And maybe there's some great wound. Maybe right now for you, there's some great suffering that you're going through. And you need that person to pray. And then when you're done praying, we're going to remember that in the end, there's a glory to look forward to. So would you pray as the team uh, leads in a song. Would you pray with one another? Ask, what can I pray for you for?